Welcome to Teaching, Reading, and Writing, the official podcast of the Literacy Research Center and Clinic at the University of Wyoming. Connecting, supporting, and expanding literacy instruction within Wyoming and around the world. All right, welcome everybody to this week's episode. I'm Lee Hall with the Literacy Research Center and Clinic at the University of Wyoming. And with me today is Brandy, a high school English teacher who works with at-risk students. Brandy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Well, we are really excited. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about the role that mental health plays, particularly with teachers. And if we could, just to get us started, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So I am in my 15th year as a teacher, uh, which is crazy, uh, but I love it. It's the only job that I could ever do. And uh, my, 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 I've taught public, I've taught private, I've taught at risk, I've taught accelerated. So I've been done a little bit of everything. And uh, because of moving around, thanks to perpetual studenthood. um, And I've got, uh, I was going to, I have two kids at home and, and a husband who is a mental health uh, professional, as well as counselor or or professor of mental health. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's great. So um, we're going to be talking today about the role that mental health plays um, for teachers or with teachers. And I know this is something that you're really passionate about. And so if you could maybe talk to us a little bit about what got you interested in understanding this, the role that mental health plays for teachers. Absolutely. You know, it's hard because the conversation I would have with you if we were sitting face to face and we were we worked next door to one another is going to be a little different, but I'll give you what I can. So, um, you know, I it started I so my husband's a professor of mental health counseling and school counseling. And so that is a culture that is that is our house. Like we talk about it and um, we are supporters of NAMI and we participate in uh, in normalizing mental health um, in the world around us. And so so that is part of it. And then um, a few years ago, I was working in a school and just be just thanks to the wrong situations at the wrong times, uh, I found myself in a situation that really challenged who I was as a person, as a teacher. Um, And it was pretty negative. Um, I was dealing with some really poor poor boundaries of other people and uh, feeling really burnt out as a teacher. Um, And thanks to the mental health culture that was in our home, I was able to recognize that I, it, it stemmed from how, how I was interacting with that other person um, based on their mental health and my mental health. And uh, luckily, or not even luckily, because we our preparation met our opportunity, I, uh, I, I decided to see a counselor and I saw them pretty regularly at first and uh, it stemmed from there, it stemmed into being able to, to explore how I, as a person and the way I was socialized and the way I grew up and the culture I was, I had in my family, how those messages about myself became uh, ways that I interacted with other people. And I, I started seeing Um, the patterns of not just how I interacted with that person, but how I interacted in the classroom and the things that I expected from students and what I, what 
the, the old saying, what got my goat. And so because of that experience, like I started recognizing how the healthier I am as a, as an individual person, when I do the work to know why I act the way I do and what bothers me and why it bothers me, then I become a, a person in the classroom who has more space, uh, more mental space, who's calmer, who isn't really, who the kind of the reactive teacher kind of fades away because you recognize that what you're seeing in the classroom from students is, is, is a, is a product of their homes and their lives and the way they are socialized. And uh, it just opens up an opportunity uh, to be more effective and to, and to love your job again. I had gotten to a point where I hated going to work and I, I didn't feel like I was a good teacher, um, even though I worked really hard to be a good teacher. Um, and I had a lot of, I felt very much like a failure, but, um, but the more I took care of my mental health and, and thought about how that impacted me as a teacher, I started to get to where I, I could, it became fun again. And it became, and I can't say take care of your mental health and teaching is, is a cakewalk. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that take care of your mental health and your job teaching becomes the job you hoped it could be, or that you, that you were passionate about from the beginning. Um, Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. I really like, you know, you talk about how um, you know, you moved away from being reactive. You noticed that that was happening to you and, and you didn't say this, but it really sounded to me like you were saying you moved from being reactive to being responsive. Is that, is that fair? That's a pretty, yeah, that is very fair. And like, it's like, uh, you know, in, I'm sure my, my kids play sports and you, you listen to the coach talk and there's a difference between a ball comes at you and you are ready for the ball. Um, because there's that, you know, we, I hear a lot of teachers talk about how home lives and families aren't, aren't great, but really like everybody's got a different home life. Everybody has different levels and strengths and even a home that can be, you know, have toxic qualities can have, can have strengths. And, uh, you know, it just, it moved me from thinking I might get this from a student to, I am going, you know, these are the types of things that I can expect from a student. And here's how I should, here's how, and, and because it's almost like if you don't take care of your own mental health, you've, your, your slate is full of your own messages And by taking care of my own mental health, I kind of clear off that slate so that when a student comes up, I'm seeing them. I'm seeing them as a full person and not imparting any of my own troubles or worries or frustrations on them. And uh, and it also something that my husband and I do as parents, uh, we follow um, Gary Landreth, who is kind of the father of play therapy. He does the Oreo method where you offer kids choice Um, And you try to scaffold it in a way that little kids make, you give little kids little choices. And as they get bigger, the choices get bigger so that they understand that their choices impact the result. And I don't love the word consequence because we have a lot of negative connotation with the word consequence. But so with my own children, if they're in the backseat and being loud and noisy, Um, I'll say, Hey, mom needs to concentrate while she drives. If you choose to be quiet, you're choosing. And then I try to offer a choice that is connective, that is time together. So like you're choosing to have three books instead of just two at the end of the night. 
um, that for mom to read after you read your two. Um, but if you choose to be really loud and noisy, then you're only choosing two books after your books. Um, and in the classroom, that translates really nicely. And the first time I used that in the classroom, it was like this weight off of my shoulders of like, instead of this, like, oh my gosh, I'm sending this kid to the student, to, to the principal's office. They're being so, they're being so naughty. It becomes, Hey, I really want you here. I want to, I want you to be in my classroom and our classroom together. Um, if you choose to, to get with the program and do what I'm asking you to do, then you choose to stay. And if you choose to be, continue being loud and obnoxious and distracting your classmates, then you're choosing to go to the office. And the kid, he literally looked at me, put his book in his backpack, stood up and silently walked out the door with no, he was not angry. I was not angry. He chose to go to the office. And it was this wonderful moment of like his behavior is in his hands I can frame it in a way that empowers him. And he knows I didn't send him. He knows he chose to go. And yeah. when, when we go to restore that relationship, Hey, that was a really tough day. Yeah, it was Miss Maddox. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I, uh, that I said such and such. And then I can say, Hey, next time, let me know if there's a way I can support you in class. And so it really supports students in, um, in, and it, because your emotions and your feelings aren't as tied up in sending them, then you're more, then that restoration process is so much easier. Yeah. I think that's a really, that's a really nice way to sort of, um, to end this discussion about this, right? Because it's really right. You can sort of see how you're taking care of yourself and how mm -hmm. that makes you more present with your students. When your students bring in any kind of number of difficulties that that might be having, including some emotional difficulties or social difficulties into the classroom, you're able to be present and be responsive versus reactive. But I really like this, you know, element of empowerment that you gave the students because it just decreases any sort of friction between the two of you. It's like that student made that choice. Right. And I was really surprised. Like as soon as you said, he started packing up his backpack. I was like, wow, really? That's well, what he's yeah. Yeah. Well, previously before that, like kids would slam doors and then I'd be adding on the, the referral slip that he, that he slammed the door on the way out. But now it, since I've implemented, and this sounds, since I've implemented it, I've only sent two kids to the office in the last six years. Um, yeah. Cause you're, you're not sending them, right. Nope. They, they are evaluating a choice and making that decision about how they want their life to go. And then they're adjusting their behavior one way or the, or the other. And it's just, it's not, you made them behave a certain way or you made them leave the room. They, they chose that and they have to own that. Yes. Brandy, thank you so much. This has been so powerful, right. To hear both about your journey and mental health and education and how it's really translated nicely, I think, into you know, what it means to be in a, to pay attention to our mental health so we can be present and with our students in ways that both support them and empower them. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. I, that this is something I'm very passionate about and I've, I'm hopefully have more to share in other avenues in the future. Yeah, well, hopefully we can have you back on again in the future to continue talking about this because it's a super critical issue. And um, for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next time.